Welcome to Movie Oubliette, the film review podcast for movies that most people have mercifully forgotten. I'm Dan. And I'm Conrad. And in each episode, we drag a forsaken film out of the Oubliette, discuss it and judge it to decide whether it should be set free, <laughs> or whether it should be thrown back and consigned to oblivion forever. <laughs> Hello listeners, welcome to Movie Oubliette, episode 143, the globe-expanding, interconnecting podcast with me, Dan, chowing down on homegrown produce down here in uh, Melbourne, Australia. And me, Conrad, having a go at subscription recipe boxes in Cambridge, UK. Yes, oh. In this podcast, (laughs) we discuss genre cinema, horror sci-fi, and fantasy, because why not spice up a live-action role-playing game with Rabid Monkey Murder. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> That's my <Conrad>. favorite. <laughs> Hello, Dan. How are you doing? Good, good. It's uh, it's it's hot. Uh, it's been it's been thirty two degrees today, um, centigrade, um, Celsius, I guess. Mm. And tomorrow it's going to be thirty eight oh. degrees Celsius, which uh, for those Americans out there, it's a hundred degrees Fahrenheit. It's going to be um. hot. It's going to be hot. <laughs> So how are you keeping your home produce properly watered in such conditions? Well, the, uh, some things don't make it, but um, yeah, <laughs> we've got a few sort of covers and they do normally bounce back because it's only one hot day. So I think it'll be all mm. right. If you have a series of hot days, I think everything just dies. But um, luckily, <laughs> luckily just one. <laughs> um, but we have had like a good yield of veggies this year we've had lots of tomatoes lots of zucchinis like a lot Ah. like i think we we counted maybe 10 or 11 i don't know a lot of zucchinis and they're big they're like (laughs) this long like a a foot long or maybe even longer a foot and a half long um okay yeah and they just seem to appear just overnight (laughs) (laughs) i don't know where they come from but yeah we've been eating a lot of zucchinis which is okay that's a a courgette. That's what I would call a courgette. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. I was just checking. <laughs> ah, yes, a courgette. Uh, we we do call them courgettes as well, but um, yeah, normally zucchinis. I love a courgette. Yeah. So I've been learning all about making things through recipe boxes, which I know ah, yes. is yes. cheating. I've never tried it before, but there are so many now. And I thought, hey, this would be a fun way to spice up my evening meal because so often ah, yes, I'm yes. cooking the same thing over and over again every week. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we, we tried it out for a while. Um, I think we worked out that it was just a little bit more expensive. So we ended up just... Um, mm doing it ourselves but it is it is a good way to explore different meals or or foods that you would not normally cook yeah exactly so what i'm thinking is i'll make a note of all of these recipes as i go because i can buy the ingredients myself yeah and do it later so yeah i've been doing all sorts of things like pad thai noodles all sorts of stuff i've never done before yeah wow that's great that's great Uh, i also find it is handy um, we are not sponsored by any of these boxes, by the way. <laughs> no, no, we're not. But we are open to it. So, you know, hello yeah. fresh if you're out there. Yeah, yeah, Get yeah. in touch. <laughs> I mean, what I do like about them is like it's the exact amount of ingredient. 
So you, you're not mm. having to buy, a, I don't know, a bag of whatever that you're just not going to yeah. use because it's only for one meal. <laughs> so it, it is yeah. handy like that. It is, yeah. Just a li- little bag of sushi rice, one spring onion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're sorted. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, so anything in the mailbag today, Conrad? Yes. Our listeners are still talking amongst themselves about the postman and oh. it's... Uh... <laughs> Its qualities and value. Yes. Our good listener, Chazilla, said, I always thought the postman was an early draft of the Waterworld script adapted to dry land. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I mean, it's very similar. It is, yeah. Both films are post-apocalyptic. Costner is the loner, ends up in a war he wants no part of, and villagers are concerned with his seed. Mm, yeah, that good <laughs> sperm, yeah. Overall, I liked it, but it was just too long. Feels mm. like they should have left about 45 minutes on the editing room floor. Easily. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Or do what June did and just, just split it into two movies. Mm. No one's got time. I do like the discovery that Zoe made, which was that there's a, an expedited edition yeah. of The Postman. That's <laughs> <laughs> just lovely. It's great. Ah, fan edits. And finally, of course, we heard from Surge of Cold Crash Pictures. Hello, Surge. Hello, Surge. (laughs) The Postman is the kind of film I can defend, but not really fight for. It's too long, and it picks one of the more unremarkable characters for its lead. But it's not like it's the worst film ever made. You could do a lot worse than valorising the post office over the military. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Before we finish Mailbag, I did have a nice message uh, on TikTok from someone called Neon Memories. Mm. Um, I was talking about high fantasy movies or something, and he said uh, he just listened to the Sword and Sorcerer episode yesterday. I love that movie. Listening to the Space Camp episode now is definitely a childhood favorite. And yours theme song is stuck in my head. It's very catchy. So... <laughs> <laughs> I know. We do reel them in with the theme yeah, song. Yeah, the theme song <laughs> keeps it in, it just implants it in their, their brains forever. Maybe you should just do a TikTok of the theme song. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that <laughs> will take off and there'll be kids dancing to it oh, because yes. they can't dance to Taylor Swift anymore, can they? Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. They've taken it all off, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fun times. Yeah. So yeah, please do get in touch. We love hearing from you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess we should reveal the movie that we're doing today, Conrad. What is it? Yes, I'll just pad on over to the oubliette and find out. Oh, I seem to be in lots of corridors. Yeah, they're identical, aren't they? Yeah, they're all beige. I'm kind of lost and... Oh, dear. What's that screaming? I don't know. Something behind that door is very angry. I'm not opening it. <laughs> oh, here's the movie. I'm coming back. Okay. Hey, I'm the Game Master. Rack on Red, what do you have today? Well, today I have a film that was picked for us by our patrons. Oh, yes. It is Shakma. The 1990 American natural horror film directed by Tom Logan and Hugh Parks, written by Roger Engel and starring Christopher Atkins, Amanda Wiss, Tina of A Nightmare on Elm Street fame, Mm. Ari Myers and Roddy McDowell, he of the Planet of the Apes series. Yes. Amazing. And this was chosen for us by our long-term listener, Nick. 
Yeah, well, thanks for the choice. Uh, so what happens in this movie? Well, Dan, welcome <laughs> to Addison Polytechnic Medical College, where Professor Sorensen divides his time between injecting baboons with mood-altering drugs and mm. trapping his students in the building at night with the fire alarm switched off to play the world's first live-action role-play of Donkey Kong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> complete with a princess at the top level. When one of the students, Sam, fails to euthanise a baboon that's been driven to a homicidal rage by Sorensen's experiments, it gets loose and starts to pick off the unwitting LARPers one by one. Mm. Sam becomes obsessed with moving dead bodies around. His girlfriend, <laughs> Tracy, sets off flashbulbs while their friends alternate between walking slowly around the same two corridors in the dark <laughs> and holding doors closed whilst the savage Shakma bangs on the other side. Oh. Will Kim, a student's younger sister, manage to raise the alarm by throwing spoons out of the window? <laughs> Will anyone show any kind of of reaction to discovering a mangled body on the floor and will sam survive his climactic head-to-head -head battle with a red-assed monkey with a crimped perm mm -hmm. find out after the break wow that's a lot to unpack isn't it <laughs> isn't it just <laughs> back soon And we are back to talk about Shakma, the 1990 American natural horror film with a mad monkey on the loose. And I believe, Dan, this is something neither of us has seen before. Yes, yes. So this is a... Double Blind. Yeah, no, I, I never heard of this movie. I have stumbled uh, upon this movie through Tubi, though. It is what, oh. it is on the Tubi catalogue. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I had not seen it before this episode of the podcast. No, me neither. And I'd never even heard of it. And uh, it seems like it's a fairly low-budget affair. Mm. It's marked out as being $1.5 million, although I notice when somebody reports that to the director or one of the directors, Tom Logan, on the director's commentary, uh -huh. he laughs rather knowingly and says maybe that includes the marketing. Right. So I think... <laughs> Perhaps it wasn't quite 1.5 million. It only had a limited theatrical release in the US on the 5th of October, so sort of Halloween season. Mm -hmm. It did not chart. There aren't any records of it grossing any box office. Right. For reference, what was topping the US box office for that week? It was number one, marked for death, the Steven Seagal actioner. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Number two was uh, Disney's re-release of Fantasia. Oh, wow. And number three, Pacific Heights, Michael Keaton as the tenant from hell, that whole, okay. you know, white middle-class people in danger series of thrillers. Yeah, so yeah, right. It didn't place in that fabulous lineup and mm. was kind of shuffled straight onto video. And I get the sense that Quest, the company that produced this, mm -hmm. was kind of one of those studios that sprung up during the direct-to-video craze right 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 yeah i mean when you look at the cast alone the only person i recognize is roddy mcdowell and i'm not sure how he got convinced 
into doing this movie. Yeah, well, they only had him for five days out of their 20-day shoot. So they did it in four weeks and they had Roddy for five days. Oh, okay. And it was entirely shot at Universal Studios in Florida. Oh, right. And they had four sets, two hallways and two rooms, which they were constantly redressing, supposedly (laughs) to make them look different. Do you think they succeeded, Dan? They didn't look (laughs) any different. They looked like identical corridors. Like they would go up a floor and it would look exactly... Exactly the same <laughs> yeah. as the floor they had just been on. And so it felt like I didn't know where anyone was. No. Because everything looked exactly the same. And all the doors look like they're made out of cardboard because they're very <laughs> flimsy. Yeah. Um, visually, the movie is quite dull. <laughs> I know that they did their best. The cinematographer is a guy called Andrew Bieber. There's a lot of use of shadow and coloured lights. There's a lot of blue for nighttime, mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. was the craze back in those days. But a lot of it is just two people shot flat against a wall in a single take. Yes. Which is probably a hallmark of them being on a 20-day shoot, filming mm-hmm. very complex scenes with an animal. Mm-hmm. I'd call it televisual, but I think even in the 90s, like the X-Files, you know, television was a lot more interesting than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I uh, I don't think it's visually a very compelling movie. Yeah, I mean, I guess just setting-wise, I didn't have a lot to work with, so uh, no. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of problems hmm. with this movie, uh, with how it just didn't quite work. And I'm sorry, Nick, if this is a beloved movie, but... There are a few things that could have been done better. Mm-hmm. So repetition <laughs> is one thing this this movie suffers from. Because it yeah. seems to be the same thing happening again and again. Yeah. And it's a hundred minutes. And I really feel like this kind of should have been a 80 minutes and out <laughs> horror movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like how you already mentioned the repetition with, with characters. Um, running away from the monkey, mm. from the baboon, sorry, closing the door, the baboon just screeching very irritatingly loud mm. and banging on the door incessantly. And then it goes away and then they go to another door. <laughs> and, just, and then uh, open it and then the baboon chases them again. And then you just repeat that ad infinitum for 90 minutes i guess uh, it it just felt very very re- repetitive and as well as uh, what you mentioned with sam just constantly moving dead bodies around yes for no reason why like, does why? our main character want to move dead bodies around this is christopher atkins yeah we've bumped into him slightly before oh, in yes. mentioning his debut the blue lagoon directed by randall kleiser the director of flight of the navigator right yes yes <laughs> i have not seen the infamous blue lagoon <laughs> no me neither but he's not wearing much in it for most of the movie mm. but so he is your blonde all-american hero medical student mm-hmm. with his girlfriend amanda wiss playing tracy and uh so they're kind of your central characters but he seems to be just fixated on rescuing bodies 
and moving them from one place to another. Yeah. I mean, initially you could think it's quite uh, heroic of him because he's trying to find people who who might still be alive. Yeah. But yeah. the guy that's splashed hydrochloric acid in his face and it's half melted. I mean, he is clearly dead. Yeah. But we're still mounting a rescue operation in which he even sets Tracy up as bait to distract the baboon while he rescues this <sighs> dead body. Yeah. And moves it around from one corridor to another yeah. and I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> I think they do check the pulse of that character as well. It's like, he is clearly dead. Yes. His <laughs> face is not there. He is, that's that's a dead person. <laughs> dead, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, the characters as well, just the main lead, not very likable. Mm. He's not very heroic, for one thing. He seems to just run off uh, and leaves his girlfriend behind. And... Most of the characters are kind of your your slasher type characters. Like, you know they're going to be killed off because they're not that likable. But I guess what I'm saying is, like, they kill off two characters that I didn't expect. Mm. And it kind of felt like they were more likable than the main character. And then you're kind of stuck with the main character for the end in this weird predator situation, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. He doesn't do any of the, the resourceful stuff in the, that he does in the last 20 minutes in any of the rest of the film. Mm. They don't talk about the, the weaknesses or, or strengths of Shakma as a baboon, like, mm. as, you know, as, as a creature. Like, you compare it to, like, Jurassic Park and you, you've got how they're, they're trying to get away from the raptors and they can't go through doors, but then they figure out... Like, there's none of that no. sort of conversation, which would have made it much more interesting in terms of, like, how are they going to survive the night? No, it's interesting you mentioned Jurassic Park because I made a couple of notes that, you know, I'm wondering whether Colin Trevorrow and Steven Spielberg saw this movie. Yeah, the last scene, right? Yeah, there is a scene that looks very much like the scene in the kitchen in Jurassic Park where mm. they managed to fool Shakma with a mirror, with a reflection, so he ends yes. up charging that rather than the actual people. And there's even a scene where uh, Sam does the... Chris Pratt hands. Ah, yeah. You can yeah. control wild animals that you formed a relationship with before, but just by holding out your hands in front of you. And yeah, yeah, know, yeah. That's yeah. some sort of uh, effect. But you're right. There's nothing that gives you a sense of them as scientists understanding the psychology of this animal even under whatever sort of mind-altering situation that he's in yeah, now. Yeah. There's nothing about that at all. It's just... Run away yeah. <laughs> through a door, close door, repeat. Yes, <laughs> and exactly. That's there is one point where Tracy uh, uses the flash bulb, the strobe bulb, mm. to disorientate Shakma, which kind of works, but then it stops working, and then that's kind of pointless. Also... You don't really see it strobing. Like I, no. I, I feel like they didn't get lights bright enough no. to show up on film. And it just kind of doesn't work. I didn't think it worked at all. No. Well, that's true. That's true. So, I mean, that's the only thing that they kind of came up with to at least combat mm. Shakma. Everything else is just running away through doors. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's bad form to jump to the end, but spoilers, does Sam die? He does. Yeah. 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 I think he says game over, I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess that's the reference to the game, the live action RPG that they're playing. Mm. But the sort of dynamics of, of how characters died in this movie just it felt very 
unsatisfying. Mm. So I, I mean, you wanted Tracy and Kim to survive, yes, but they kill his girlfriend and they kill the child, mm. which was like very shocking. Yes, and then you're left with this character you don't really like that wasn't helpful throughout the entire movie. No, he wasn't. And the one moment when he could have been was when he gets through to the 911 operator. Yeah, yeah, He can finally raise the alarm, which is the thing that they couldn't do because uh, Roddy McDowell's character, the professor, has done such a good job of making this (laughs) building impenetrable and impossible for anybody to navigate or communicate out of because it's all Mm -hmm. like switching lights off at the fuse box and disabling the fire alarm. Locking doors, yeah. <laughs> I can't see how this college is okay with this activity. Yeah, it's like yeah, a yeah. massive disaster just waiting to happen, mm-hmm, completely mm-hmm. uninsurable. But anyway, he gets through to 911 and finally can speak to somebody and raise the alarm. You know, there's yeah. dead people in here, I need help. No, he just suddenly starts whispering about how it's all his fault because he injected Chakma with the wrong thing when he was distracted and didn't kill it. Mm. And so he, he seems determined to kill Chakma himself yeah. for some reason. And there wasn't a sense of... Because he trained Chakma, right? Yes. But there wasn't any sense of Chakma recognising him or there being some sort of like showdown with them knowing each other. Like, I don't know, there, there was a lot of opportunities to explore things with Sam and Shuckman's relationship, but they just never went there. No, it's only sort of briefly hinted at with the Chris Pratt hand scene. That's yeah, yeah. pretty much all you get. I mean, even uh, the, the drug thing, he injects him, Shuckman, with the wrong drug, but mm. he intentionally did that. Yeah. I mean, why? Why did you do that? Well, he like, couldn't bring himself to euthanize him, could he? Yeah. So, but I thought he got distracted and made a mistake. Oh, really? Or did he deliberately do it to keep him alive? Yeah. My impression of that scene was he deliberately did it. But, like, why oh. would you do that? So I guess maybe it makes more sense that he just mistook the drug for a different drug. I'm not sure. Yeah, it I was think a, he did. It was a very ambiguous kind of scene. It was. I mean, the other thing that they don't really make great use of is this whole framing narrative of they're LARPing in this building. It's a live-action role-play. Yes. They are very careful not to name what the thing is, because obviously they didn't have the rights to Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Although I really enjoyed Roddy McDowell calling himself the Game Master. Yeah. Because the way that he says it, it sounds like he's saying that he's the Game Master, which... <laughs> <laughs> I thought yeah, it was marvellous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. There were lots of rumours about Roddy McDowell during his lifetime, but he was a product of the uh, Hollywood studio system, so he kept his private life as private as he possibly could. Mm, but, oh, yeah. right, yeah. But Roddy McDowell on the, with his headset on saying he's the gay master... <laughs> <laughs> it was a source of much delight to me. But they don't ever use that. There's no point at which anybody thinks when they discover a body mm. or... There's, there's no point at which they think maybe this is part of the game and somebody's tagged out or something. Yeah. It just gets lost after the first death, really, the whole game mechanic. Yeah, because they set it up as being such an important part of the film. Like, it's a good 20 minutes in before you get the first sort of shakma kill. Mm. And it's just the game unfolding and, and people, you know, being confused when they come across blood everywhere or like doors are supposed to be open when they're not yeah for me who has never played D or just general rpg um 
role-playing games anyway, mm. I was very confused of the sort of mechanics, yeah. <laughs> what they were even doing. <laughs> because, yeah, I guess because all the corridors looked exactly the same as well. Like, I didn't... Like, the, the fact that they had to ask the game master whether they could go into rooms. Yeah. That confused me. <laughs> yeah. So what was that kind of more similar to like like video games back then where you had to get the red key to go through like the red door and the green key kind of i don't know like that was confusing no i think you're right it's something like that they had to sort of solve riddles it was a combination of like a treasure hunt and like a a role-playing game and i thought all of these mechanics are going to come up again yeah somebody's going to be desperately trying to get the game master to um (laughs) open a door because they're being attacked by a crazy baboon yeah. and they can't or something. But no, that never happens. There's a whole lot of business at the beginning about tracking people with these transmitters. That's true, yes. And I thought, well, It doesn't okay, come up. This is going to turn into a scene. They're going to use this to track the baboon or you're going to see them tracking people around the building yeah. and trying to rescue. No, never comes up again. Yeah. It doesn't. So there's a lot of setup of things for a hundred minute movie. There's a lot of setup of things that just do not pay off, and a lot of opportunities for sort of tying ideas and themes together that don't pay off. And it's still a hundred minutes of people <laughs> yeah. wandering around and teasing spoons out of windows. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very God, bad scene. That scene. It's really, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we'll, I'll talk about it in the movie, please. But yeah, there's a lot of scenes that come out of nowhere and it just, like, why would anyone do that kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's my impression on of, of a lot of the scenes. Yeah. And how many times do you need to see an object sort of fly past somebody's window <laughs> in a car without them noticing it? Yeah. I mean, it just goes on and on. And it's not like it's a near miss or the, it hits and maybe it's going to work, but it doesn't. And No, it just, it just, she just drives off. It just amounts yeah. to nothing. Oh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, another thing I want to talk about was i mean it is a horror mm-hmm. so you expect some good sort of gory effects some blood and stuff and there are a couple like the first two deaths i think were pretty good mm. um especially the face melt but then all the other ones just nothing like it's just a, a body slumped over it could be anyone just like pour some blood on the floor kind of thing. Yeah. And and you never see any of the kills, I don't think. Or maybe one. Yeah. And so there's not that sort of satisfying, oh yeah, we get to see people mauled by a baboon that you want to see in a kind of schlocky, like B-grade horror film, but you just never get that. It's always just like, oh, we discovered another body. Here we go. Yeah. And then Sam carries it across the corridor again. <laughs> it, just, it just didn't have the same satisfaction that you want out of a kind of, silly horror movie no scares really either no just a lot of screeching a lot of screeching yeah i mean there are a lot of fake scares which really started to tick me off there's a cat there's a rat there's tracy backing into a skeleton Uh there's the person with mask on jumps out at some point there's there's a lot of fake outs and uh, you know on the fifth one i was kind of could you do some real ones maybe yeah 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 i I did feel like they relied on the score quite a lot for the scares like often Mm. often they just weren't framed right like that's not how you frame a jump scare that's not how you edit it no but they just still threw in the big loud you know, orchestral hit or whatever. 
but it just didn't make any sense with what you were looking at. No. But the music, I don't know. It it sounded cheap. It sounded like, you know, TV music. Like it sounded like someone had a synthesizer with strings, yes. the string setting, and just played all the chords. <laughs> yeah. It sounds very much like the MIDI keyboards of the time, Korg yes. M1. It sounds very yes, much yes. like that kind of school. The composer is David C. Williams, or David Williams, he's often credited as now. Right. He did movies like The Prophecy, which I quite like. The yeah. Angel yeah, yeah. movie with Christopher Walken in 95, Phantoms with Ben Affleck in 98, and uh, Supernova, the sci-fi in 2000. So he's done a few sort of on the fringes, interesting yeah. culty movies. I did note as well that he's done a lot of sequels. So like he did Prophecy 2, um, mm. also Wishmaster 2, yeah. Children of the Corn, The Gathering, which is the fourth one, uh, Critters <laughs> 3. Oh. So... Yeah, I don't know. Like, he has some done some good things, but it's not so good things. No, and I don't think he has much to work with here. It's pretty noodling, sort of synthy, stringy, it, voicey yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it almost sounds quite fillery as well. Like, there's not real. There's a few themes in there, but it's not strongly themed no. uh, i did like the opening credits though the music for that it felt like oh what are we going to get into kind of thing and and that opening scene was well done like it, it looked like wow there's a brain injecting the brain mm. but then yeah the rest of the movie not quite the same <laughs> production value no i mean also going back to the cast like why is kim there so she's the younger sister yeah. of one of the other students that wasn't invited. Why is she invited? I don't I didn't really understand that. No, well that's why I made the gag about it being like Donkey Kong, because she's like the princess at the top that they're all going to rescue. And she's set up as a character that's interested in she has a crush on Sam. Yeah. Who yeah. already has a girlfriend who's age appropriate mm. in Tracy. So yeah, I think that's her whole character. And her surprise for him, she's got a sort of slightly revealing outfit that she's wearing as her character that she hopes to... Oh, super uncomfortable. Yeah, and then she dies. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then she dies. <laughs> it's it's quite similar to the scene in The Postman with, with his daughter mm. trying to make moves on Kevin Costa. I don't know. That's, yeah. that's so strange. Fortunately, Sam does <laughs> not seem to be interested in her in the slightest. No, he's like not. Like a friend no. or an older brother no. type of situation. So it's fine. Mm, okay. Now it's time for random trivia. Okay, Conrad, what have you got for us surgically removed from a baboon's brain today? So the lovely walls of this esteemed college, they're all beige and they're stippled, which mm -hmm. Tom Logan wanted to do to sort of give it a bit of texture, a bit of visual okay. interest. Yeah, doesn't work. The way that they did it was to um, mix oatmeal with the paint when they were painting it. Oh, wow. Okay. Turned out this was a fatal mistake because Typhoon kept eating it. <laughs> oh, my God. So they'd have to pause filming because Typhoon was like licking the wall. Typhoon's eating the wall again. <laughs> so oh Typhoon God. was literally eating the sets. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is ridiculous. Wow. There you go. That's our tribute. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So it's Shakma. What 
did you think of the baboon as a you know rabid creature well yes typhoon is the name of the baboon in this movie he's uh quite a famous baboon he's i don't think he's with us anymore sadly mm. he worked on the fly with jeff goldblum ah. uh yeah the baboons that are tested on in that movie that jump into jeff goldblum's manly arms right and apparently <laughs> very dangerous animal uh, the director talked about they had to do like a chemistry test wow. with him and the baboon before they started filming. So slowly introduce him to Typhoon just to see yeah. whether he's the sort of human being that for some reason he just hates. Yeah. Most of the time the cast were not ever in the same room as the baboon. All shots of him attacking people were either him play fighting with his trainer in a wig oh, right. or beating on a dummy or he was attacking doors when they put somebody behind the door that he just did not like so all of those scenes of him hammering on doors are him desperately trying to get to somebody that that baboon just fucking hates wow and wants to kill okay so supposedly a very scary creature i have to say on screen I just don't find him that scary. He's not mm. that big. Yes. He's got a big red shiny ass. Yeah. And he's got this big mane of like crimped fluffy hair. Yes, have, yes. You know, when he was in The Fly with Jeff Goldblum, I thought he was kind of cute. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. trying to set him up as this terrifying rabid monster, it didn't work for me. Did it work for you? No, no. The size uh, just didn't work. And and they, they could have leaned into humorous they could have been like mm. yeah this is like a rabid ridiculous thing <laughs> and had like over the top gore effects and like obviously a puppet or whatever they could have done that they could have gone you know brain dead type sort of right horror. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't they didn't it's very serious and so you just i couldn't take him seriously he, he did look very cute he, he kind of reminded me of um, Rafiki from The Lion King. Right. A different <laughs> baboon. Yeah. I think that's a mandrel. And this is a, a, a different type of baboon. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, he wasn't scary. They didn't dress him up at all. They didn't slap a whole bunch of fake blood on him. No. There were a few scenes with, with blood kind of dripping from his, his mouth, but not really. They could have made him, you know, like Cujo. That sort mm. of like really terrifying, just... Just put some crap all, all over him. Make him look a bit dirtier. Yeah. He just looked very maintained. Yes. <laughs> so it wasn't scary. No. I mean, good for the animal because they're obviously treating him well. I know that the director talked about making sure that the American Humane Association that monitors filming of animals mm-hmm. was there videoing every single scene that Typhoon was acting in to make sure that it was clearly recorded right. how well they'd followed all of the rules and treated him well and protected him and the cast. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they didn't cake Typhoon in blood and frothy egg white round his mouth or yeah, anything. Sure. I mean, they use puppets sometimes. There's one really good shot where the camera is low to the ground yeah. and you've got Shakma's jaws sort of looming over the top of the frame with with blood dripping off. Right. Was that a puppet? That's a puppet. Wow. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. That, that was the only kind of legitimately scary scene I found. Yes. And there's one scene I'll talk about at the Moobly Awards that I thought was very effective and reminded me a lot of Nope, the Jordan Peele movie. Ah, right, uh, right, right. Recently. Right. So, yeah, there's a couple of moments where it's like, oh, okay, this is actually working. But for the mm. most part, 
it's just oh, he's banging on doors again and yeah now he's, yeah you know there are a couple of shots too where they've got him running directly towards the camera and leaping at the lens where yeah the director yeah. and the camera operator sort of terrified behind a piece of perspex <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. i mean there's a few bits that are quite good but generally yeah no <laughs> I mean, it's a wild animal, you know. It's yeah. not. I don't think baboons are very trainable. No. Uh, so you know, they kind of had to just use what they could get in terms mm. of of shots. So, I mean, it's challenging. They had the challenge to start off with, but yeah, it just didn't work. No. I don't know. Maybe they could have used more animatronics, more puppetry, but um, yeah, it just felt very repetitive and. Just not scary. No, in the same way that most of the kill scenes happen off screen and you just see the results and the effects on the results yeah. are good. Yeah. But yeah, most of it happens off screen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. I'm sorry, Nick. I'm really sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Coming to you live from the Movie Oubliette Theatre, it's the prestigious Mobley Awards. Hello, it's that special time of the pod, the Moobly Awards, where we nominate our favourite screaming, door-bashing parts of the film in the number of Game Master curated categories. Yes. Gotta love that Game Master. Yeah. <laughs> Best quote. The only quote I noted that I thought was quite funny came from Tracy, and it was as Sam was caressing her, mm-hmm. and she says... I'm glad to see you have such a firm grasp of the rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I do agree the quotes weren't great, um, but there is no. one that I found funny. So it's during the sort of predator slash home alone booby trap sort of last final act with Sam. Mm. He's trying to figure out how to get back at Shakma, mm. and then he just comes to his realisation and, and he, he just kind of whispers... No, you come to me. And he's just got so much <laughs> conviction. And it was just hilarious. I don't know. I found it incredibly funny. Yes. Best hair or costume. My favorite costume has to go to Kim as the yes. princess in her surprise outfit to woo Sam. It has a midriff revealing embroidered flowery, I think it's called a bolero jacket. Oh, right, yeah. And yeah. her diaphanous skirt revealing her legs and these massive pink plastic hoop earrings. Yeah. She looks quite the picture. Yeah, she's <laughs> it's floral everywhere. It's just she's even wearing like a garland of like flowers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> most nineties moment. Yeah, so most nineties is Kim. The, the, just the character of Kim in all the outfits that she wears is the most <laughs> 90s for me. For me, it was the font review, R-E-V-U-E, for a sci-fi or horror film's opening credits, which oh, I found right. yeah. <laughs> very typical of the 90s. Originally designed by British photographer and font designer Colin Brignall in 1969, for the Letraset Dry Transfer Lettering Company. Do you remember those little plastic sheets where you'd yeah, rub the letters off one by right. one? Yeah. Yeah. So he designed review for that. Right. And it was also famously used for the poster for The Room in 2003. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Font nerd. 
Yeah, well, yes, you are. <laughs> favorite scene! My favorite scene is probably what I think I found the most shocking and horrifying part of the movie, which was Tracy's death. Mm. You saw a shot of the baboon getting underneath the stall of the toilet cubicle that she's in, and she is trying to get to an air vent to escape. Yeah. And you just see her being dragged out of shot and you hear but do not see a savage attack on her mm-hmm. and then it's silent the shot just holds on that for a second mm-hmm. and then suddenly she emerges again looking weak trying to get back up to the air vent again and she's not saying anything mm-hmm. or screaming and she just gets dragged out of shot again and it's like oh my yeah. god that's actually really quite disturbing yeah. and it reminded me so much of Jordan Peele's Nope, where there is a... Oh, with the chimpanzee. The chimpanzee attack in that, which is just sort of, you know, not sort of exploitative and uh, melodramatic. Mm. It's just sort of weirdly functional and Mm. perfunctory. It's just like, I don't know, savage in an unpredictable and disturbing way. And yeah, I found that scene really effective. Yeah, yeah, definitely was. It was, yeah, a a terrifying scene and quite heart-wrenching as well because I just did not expect the girlfriend to die. No. Like, that's not what you do (laughs) in these type of movies. The girlfriend and the child must live normally. Yes. Uh... But not in this movie. No. Most cliche moment. Oh well, I spotted one of your favourite cliches, Dan. Oh yes. Early on, when Shakma first has his freak out and starts attacking people, Tracy throws a weapon to Sam. Oh yes, of course, because the the woman can't save the day. <laughs> she just has to no. hand the weapon to the hero. <laughs> yes. Well done for participating, Tracy. Yeah, Thank you. yeah, yeah. Ah, that, that's that's a good pick. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the movie does have a lot of cliches. We already mentioned all the poorly set up jump scares, just so many of them. Mm. But the fake scare with the mouse was just like, why is that there? Like, it, it, it felt like they're building up. <laughs> it was like a big climax. And then it's just a mouse. <laughs> like, what yeah. is this? I know. It was very disappointing. And then they use the mouse as bait for the yeah, finale. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Like, the hero is not likeable at all. (laughs) He's a horrible human being. (laughs) Really is. Best special effect. So, uh, the face melt. Uh, So, I think it's the character Richard. Yeah. Yeah, his face is melted. You could see it melting off. (laughs) Like, it's a pretty amazing effect. I don't know how they did it, but it's, it's very gory as well. It is, yeah. It's really brutal. The only really, really gory effect yeah it's disgusting it's self-inflicted too because he obviously had the acid to throw at shakma but um, didn't manage it somehow which is a shame (laughs) yeah i uh, (laughs) i don't know that the whole scene set up is is quite ridiculous Mm. because he's like holding the door shut while trying to unscrew a lid to some acid (laughs) and pour it into a (laughs) glass like why yeah. not just use the bottle? Like why, why do you have to pour it into another vessel? <laughs> and then yeah, and then he opens it, and then he's just walking around with this open glass of acid, <laughs> and then he wonders why like it ends up spilling all over himself when Shakma attacks him. I don't know. I thought yeah. the whole scene setup was 
bonkers. It was bonkers. I also love the fact that hydrochloric acid seems to give off like a, a foamy steam. Of course. Like dry ice. Yeah. Which I don't think it does. Well, how else are we supposed to know it's acid, Conrad? It has to, has to fume a little bit. Yeah. Favorite sound effect. Well, Shakma, I guess is the winner for sound. Like in terms of how many different animals did they use for his mm. sort of attacks? I, I, at I one did point, wonder. yeah, big cats. I heard some sort of big yes. cat. There's a lot of things that aren't baboons. Yes. No, I think so as well. I thought I heard a puma at one point. Yeah. It sounded like any scary animal noise. Let's put it on there. Yeah, and often not even matching up with what you're looking at as well. Yeah. Like, he, he doesn't look angry in a lot of those shots. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> My favourite, apart from the computer noises in general, in that early scene with Bradley when he's setting up the illegal air tagging on Tracy... Mm. Um, but there is this fabulous scene where... <laughs> moment, sorry, in that scene where... Um, Bradley says that there's a, this sort of thing that picks up the tra- signal from the tracker in every room or something like that. And he gestures towards this sort of thing that's spinning like yeah, a big air right. in the yeah. corner. And there's this massive pulsating synth noise for it. And it's like, wow, that must be really deafening and distracting in every room yeah. when you walk in. But uh, it's gone as soon as they look away from it. So obviously it's the sort of noise that you only hear when you look yeah, at it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And it's quite small, this weird antenna thing. Well, exactly. That's why I thought, wow, if it's emitting that kind of noise, I'd be backing away from it gently. <laughs> yeah. So surely it's going to either explode or cause cancer or both. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah. Most funniest moment. For me, by far, and yet another thing that undermined Shakma's terrifying presence on screen was any of the shots in which fake puppet hands of Shakma were being (laughs) prodded into door cracks or the gaps between slats in the furniture Uh and things. And it's just these fake hands prodding around. Yeah. It's kind of like the legend of Hell House where there were those cat paws underneath the bathroom door. (laughs) It's just something about small fake paws prodding under things Mm. that just make me giggle. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. Yeah, threw me out of the movie a bit. You could definitely <laughs> tell every time when they weren't the baboon's hands. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, funniest moment for me, we have already mentioned it, but it's the ridiculous scene with them trying to get the attention of Richard's girlfriend, who's parked outside, and they, yeah, first throw spoons? No, is it, no, is it forks? <laughs> they throw forks yes. out these little, these little slat vents in in the window, and then Kim finds the the amulets that were for the game. Yeah. And so she's like pushing these little marbles out the window. I know. What I really wanted as she drove away was like an exterior shot of a car with just this massive <laughs> pile of cutlery and marbles <laughs> in the middle of the road because <laughs> it must have been there. But yeah, um, yeah. no. And that's our boo, please. And that's our boo, please. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, my name's Serge Bernardjuk of Cold Crash Pictures, and you're listening to Movie Oubliette.
Okay, it's Final Verdict time. Shuad Shakma from 1990, but released from its lab testing cage to rampage the world and be celebrated by all, or should it be trapped in an incinerator after everyone is killed, fried to a crisp, <laughs> and then dumped back into the depths of the oubliette, never to be spoken of again. Conrad, Oof. this was uh, presented to us by our patron Nick. Yes. Uh, what, what's your final verdict about Shakma? Well, I mean, Nick, you're you're a great listener. You've been uh, such a great supporter of the show and uh, always had great insights into the movies and that we've covered. And I, I, I'm thrilled that we finally got to do a movie that you've chosen. I, I hope it isn't like a secret <laughs> favourite of yours from your teenage years. Yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this movie. I thought it was clearly showed the restraints of its budget. I thought it was visually quite dull. I thought it was too long. I thought it failed to generate any kind of horror or tension around the kills or its nemesis, its sort of central antagonist character. The baboon wasn't scary. Mm. I found it mostly nonsensical. I didn't like any of the characters and uh, the music was cheap synthesizer rubbish from the 90s. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, honestly, I couldn't find a single thing about it that sort of would make me recommend it and say, hey, you've missed this really great animal on the loose movie. Or, mm. I, I couldn't find any redeeming feature at all. So I'm. this is another one where I'm just going to toss it back with, with no guilty conscience apart from being worried that we might upset one of our favorite listeners. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the premise of Shark was pretty good, you know, like the whole medical building, these medical students, you know, doing this live action role playing game, and and then you've got a mm. rabid baboon on the loose, and and the poster for Shakma looks amazing. Like, I, it makes me, yeah. I, I want to watch that movie. Uh, the movie itself, just yeah. Everything that Conrad said, and and especially just the main character was not a likable guy and not very heroic. Mm. And like, it just didn't have the satisfaction of him defeating his nemesis, Shakma, that he trained. No, there, there wasn't a sense of like all these traps and things that they tried throughout the film to overcome Shakma and, and eventually, you know, he succeeds. There was, there was none of that. So there was no sense of achievement it just no it kind of just happened and then he dies anyway so it's like i guess everyone dies like what what are the police (laughs) gonna think when they walk into the building what happened here (laughs) like everyone's dead i don't know and there's there's no evidence as well so the baboon's just ash in the incinerator there's no evidence (laughs) it's just a whole bunch of dead bodies (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and a pile of cutlery outside yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be really confusing very confusing. it's gonna be a mystery for the ages yeah 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 <laughs> but i'm yeah very very sorry to say that i yeah i would agree with conrad i would not uh recommend this movie it has some interesting ideas and with a maybe a bigger budget Maybe it could have been a good movie, but yeah, not quite, not quite. <laughs> no. Well, it might have been influential. I mean, it, there are clearly some scenes in here that could have inspired Spielberg, 
and the makers yeah. of the new Jurassic Park movies with the hands. Maybe. 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 <laughs> maybe. I wish I could ask Roddy McDowell, like, what was your experience? Like, you know, working on, on Planet of the Apes with all these monkeys and then working on Shakma. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, was there anything redeeming about that movie? to him i don't know no i don't know it's quite fun to see him and he's only in it for five days they gave him a good fee i'm sure for that yeah one fun thing about it was apparently some of the other cast were quite nervous around roddy mcdowell because oh. he's like you know he's roddy mcdowell yeah 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 uh, so the director actually asked him if he could flub a take or two just to oh, put them at ease wow <laughs> interesting yeah so roddy mcdowell actually deliberately forgot his lines and stuff wow <laughs> just Aww, put everybody else at ease nice. but yeah it's nice to see him in the movie it's ironic that the guy who's so synonymous with planet of the apes should be beaten to mm. death by a baboon <laughs> yeah. in an elevator i mean that still just makes it a trivia question rather than a film that you want to watch for a hundred minutes I'm mm, afraid. yeah 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 but i guess we should check in with our patrons just in case we should so hello hal yes how are you doing? What have you been up to? I've been generating fake Johnny Cash covers of Taylor Swift songs. Great. Uh, could we have the result <laughs> of the patrons' vote, please? Holy moly, they want to throw it back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there were some mixed feelings on it. So oh, yes. film aficionado said, lame deaths, frustratingly stupid characters and an obnoxiously long runtime. Throw it back, throw it back on fire. <laughs> 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 yep. I can uh, empathise with that film aficionado. Eddie Coulter said, Ah, Shakma, I remember when this first came to home video and I was excited to see it because the trailer looked wild, plus it had the great Roddy McDowell. There's a few things I like about the movie, like Typhoon's performance as Shakma. He was pretty scary, but unfortunately that's not enough to rescue it from the oubliette. <laughs> But on the other side, Jasmine said, I very much enjoy this movie. Every time the rampaging baboon was on the screen, my heart was pounding. I found myself yelling at the characters, no, so many times, oh. because I could see how the characters could have done just one slight thing differently to save everyone. But I could understand why the characters were making their mistakes. So I was yelling in that rare good way where I was having a good time rather than scoffing. That's what a horror movie should be. I say set Shakma free to tear out more nerdy role-playing throats. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that, um, Jasmine, you had a good time with us. Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, it, it's a schlocky horror movie from the 90s that you might not mm, have seen. Mm. If you're a fan of that kind of stuff and love this nature's revenge sort of genre, yeah, yeah. Then, uh, yeah it could well be fun. Mm -hmm, but... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Chazilla said, just like Dirt World, Sharkma was just too long. The best performance <laughs> in the film was Typhoon's. He was really going Kokomo Bokomo trying to break those doors down. Anyone else see the irony of Roddy McDowell getting killed by a baboon? What was the square thing they pulled out of his brain before injecting him with the mystery serum? Was it some kind of microchip? Oh, yeah. He probably got so pissed because they removed his Wi-Fi. No more monkey porn. <laughs> Stack those bodies deep in the oubliette and return Typhoon to the jungle. Oh, wow. That's brilliant. Thanks for that. I love all of these write-ups, everyone. This is, this is great. 
But yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's fairly unanimous, mm. so... Sorry, Typhoon, you gotta go back. Well, Conrad, what is the the next film that we'll be covering? Well, we're heading back into the 70s and it's going to be on home turf. It's going to be the 1977 British fantasy comedy film... Jabberwocky. Oh, I have not seen this movie. This is Terry Gilliam, right? It is. It's. I think it's Terry Gilliam's first movie as a lone director. Ah. So I think he co-directed Holy Grail with Terry Jones in 75. So this was him going it alone on a fantasy comedy for the first time with Michael Palin, Harry H. Corbett, John LeMessurier. And uh, John Bird and Bernard Breslau. Ooh. Terry Jones in the cast says, yes, a few Python connections, mm. there, but it's not full Python. So. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, Terry Gilliam is uh, one of my favorite directors. Um, it's actually quite surprising I haven't seen his first film. Um, so I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. And we should be joined by a guest mm. who, uh, yeah. I'm excited to talk to you. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, so, listeners, if you want to follow us and keep up to date with our episodes, uh, we are on all socials uh, as Movie Oubliette. And you can also email us at uh, movie.oubliette at gmail.com. And, on, yeah, we're, we're on TikTok now. If you're on TikTok, you know, send us a message. Um, but, uh, yeah. yeah, it's interesting <laughs> as well because I've been posting all our socials from all of our episodes sort of out of order mm. so kind of listening back on all these episodes is kind of oh wow yeah that's that's good <laughs> trip down memory lane from five years ago yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny as well because i'm laughing at myself laughing often <laughs> as well <laughs> that's not that's not arrogant that's or anything weird. is it i don't know <laughs> no laughing at your own jokes from five years ago <laughs> wow i was funny then yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and if you want to support the show, head on over to Patreon, where for a dollar you can get access to extended portions of the show and nominate films for us to cover in future episodes, as Nick did with mm. Shakma. Five dollars gets you the opportunity to vote on the final verdict and gives you access to our monthly Minnesota chats. Mm -hmm. uh, this month we're talking about uh, non-English language movies that we love, that we've uh, yeah. seen over the years. Yeah, yeah. That was a good chat. That went up today. And for $10, you can become an executive producer of the show and get exclusive behind-the-scenes info, mm. like Chazilla, Eddie Coulter, Isaac Sutton, Dr. Doggy, Surge of Cold Crash Pictures, and Iconographer. Yes, yes. Thank you for all the support. Uh, we also have merchandise on Redbubble and a YouTube channel uh, with some interesting videos. And if you haven't already, give us a rating and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening us to does help us out a lot it does well that's it for now yeah top tip for the day if there's somebody banging on the door check that it's not a babu yeah and and, and make sure your your walls are made of oatmeal <laughs> <laughs> all right listeners okay. until next episode goodbye bye for now <laughs> Is this part of the game, Sam?